Welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word, with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and this month we have been discussing God's presence, how we can be present in His presence, and intentional about God's presence in all aspects of our lives. And now today we are continuing this discussion with Mike Novotny and his book, Three Words That Will Change Your Life. Mike Novotny is a co-pastor at The Core, a downtown church in Appleton, Wisconsin, with a passion to prioritize people who are far from God. As lead speaker for Time of Grace, a media ministry that connected with people more than 54 million times over various platforms in 2019, Mike teaches people to seek God first, see God in all His glory, and be satisfied with God, even if God is all they have. He loves dating his wife and two daughters, continuing his streak of 35 years of playing organized soccer, running long distances, even when not being chased. That right there, I'm telling you guys. (laughs) And reading anything he can get his hands on. Welcome back, Mike, and thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you so much, Denise. I actually just noticed something. So I was sending up my laptop today. I wasn't sure if we'd be using video. So I grabbed a couple of board games from our random hallway closet. (laughs) And uh, guess what the names of the three board games I picked are? All right, hold on. Uh, It wouldn't be God is here. (laughs) (laughs) But they are fitting. So I have Ticket to Ride, which is like a classic kids game. And the other two are, I'm not making this up. The other two are called pandemic <laughs> oh my goodness and survive exclamation point. <laughs> you know i have seen so much of god just speaking and even through funny things like that it's going to be okay you know you who are listening and, and maybe i don't know where by the time this airs where we will be in this coronavirus situation but, you know, God is faithful and he is here, even in the midst of this as well. So thanks for that humorous <laughs> reminder there. <laughs> you are welcome. And I have to tell you, when you say that you run long distances, even when you're not chased, that is remarkable because I get on the treadmill and, and it's like a dread. I have to, you know, talk my brain into it, you know, uh, tell my flesh, you are going to run. <laughs> and inevitably, the treadmill just shuts down only when I run on it, only when I run on it. <laughs> I have like a weird running, I don't know, gait or something. But anyway, it just dies on me. So I told my husband, just wasn't meant to be. <laughs> no, I still do it, but it's with dread. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. So the scripture for this episode is taken from Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. With complete joy being in his presence, why would we ever want to leave? And how can we share this presence of God with others so that they too can taste and see that the Lord is good? What do you think about that question, Mike? Yeah, um, I was thinking how I practically try to do that with the people at our church, uh, through my ministry, or even in my own family. And, you know, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but just helping people to remember this unshakable promise that God is right here and God is even better than the best things we could ask for. So because we can see food, friends, family, a good internet connection, you know, we get excited about those kind of things. 
But when I try to remind my kids, my wife, myself, and the members of our church, wow, you know, we might not have any of that stuff. God hasn't promised us help. You know, look at the apostles. They all died for their faith in Jesus. So Mm. we've been promised an easy life, but we have been given such a glorious promise that those apostles themselves learned to be content. They learned to rejoice always. They had a peace that went beyond understanding. So just bringing our own hearts and minds and the hearts of those around us back to that truth, God is here and, and God is not a small thing. He is so glorious and he's so good and he's enough for us. So mm-hmm. if faith comes from hearing that message, let's repeat that message as often as we can until our stubborn hearts actually believe it. Amen. You know, um, a couple years ago, one of my daughters out of the blue just called me and she said, mom, I want you to know watching you live out your faith where you would drop on your knees in front of us, where you would weep and cry out to God during some of the hardest places of your life has changed my life. Mm. And so I realized in that moment, part of us being able to share this hope, because sometimes there's just such a disconnect. It's like, I want people to understand this incredible faith and it's not a religion is that we have to so radically live it out ourselves you know, in such a way that it becomes tangible and understandable to those around us. Um, And it's not something that can just be, you know, faked or a to-do list. Um, I know for years in my walk with God, I mean, I've done the Bible reading plan for like 30 years, but there's been years where uh, I didn't make it out of Genesis, just being real, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I got sidetracked. And and now, um, of course, being accountable to people every day is, is a great help. But I I love being in his word. And I was like, why, why isn't everyone else wanting to do this with me? This is so incredible. You know, I'll just be weeping while I'm reading my daily reading that day. And my kids are like, we don't get you, mom. Like, why are you crying every day in God's word? But it was his presence. And, you know, they, they now, you know, they have their own Bible reading plans, their own methods, but it's been neat to see. I could have told them until I was blue in my face. It was them seeing me passionate about it, you know, because the norm is for us to just grow uh, cold, you know, just to be, uh, or I should say lukewarm. And um, anyway, that's been something in my life that I've seen. I could never have done it. It was God in me. It was me crying out and admitting my incredible need of him Hmm. that helped other people to see theirs as well. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Man does not understand God's purposes. Part of our human condition is wanting to know what the future holds, and yet while we wait, we can try to find our happiness or contentment in the created rather than in the creator who is outside time and knows everything completely. You know, in your book, you discuss how celebrities cannot find satisfaction. They have everything according to world standards, and yet they are not satisfied. Why is this? Mm. Yeah, I hope this doesn't sound unchristian, but I kind of like stories of sad celebrities. (laughs) 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 I don't love it. I don't enjoy seeing their frustration and pain, but it's just such good modern proof that in the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon wasn't making stuff up that you really could be the king of our culture 
you could have <laughs> a million likes on every picture that you post on Instagram. Um, you could have more square footage, marble countertops, the car that you think is going to make you so happy. But just zoom ahead to these celebrity lives and you find out that Jesus wasn't lying when he said, you know, whoever drinks this water, the stuff of the world, will be thirsty again. But I'm offering a kind of water that once you drink it, you will never thirst. So, you know, the reason Selena Gomez or Tom Brady or Madonna or Justin Bieber or the Rolling Stones or all these people who've kind of admitted it is because they didn't get to create their own heart. So they don't get to decide what makes their heart happy. (laughs) God created the human heart for himself. He placed within it a desire for eternal things that last, love that never fails, uh, pleasure and acceptance that you know, aren't here today and gone tomorrow. And so until we fill our heart with the eternal God, it will always be thirsty for more. Mm, you know, I think part of the reason when you were saying at the beginning, there's, I mean, not joy, you don't delight uh, in anybody, you know, in celebrities, you know, kind of having a tough moment. But I do think there is this, you know, Psalm 73, you know, as we had at the beginning of the first episode, or even as I was reading in Jeremiah uh, chapter 7 through 12 this morning, um, the sense of the wicked are prospering, like, what's up with that, you know? <laughs> and, and until we come into the presence of God, and then we understand, you know, any gain in this world just doesn't compare with gain that we have with God. And so there can't be satisfaction, even though we're pitched that every day, right? We're sold that message uh, via the media and social media. And look at this star is doing that. And look at you too, could look like this or be that. And because that is the paradigm down here, you know? And and so to have that um, hunger for those things will never satisfy. It just can't. We weren't made for that. We have this eternity in our hearts. We were made for another place. And so I think sometimes we can be envious because we hunger and we end up, you know, hungering for a counterfeit because that's what we see so much of, you know, um, hoping things leaves us still hungering though. You discuss the symptoms we have when we put our hope in Hevel. Is that pronounced correctly? <laughs> yeah, it's a Hebrew word. I pronounce it Hevel. Hevel. Okay. Cause you know what? I will actually look at Hebrew. Uh, I'll go on Google and I'll be like, I am so not a Hebrew academic person, <laughs> but I will go and I'll listen and say, Lord, help me pronounce this right before I go teach somewhere or do something. So I was like, I forgot to do that with his words. So I'm going to ask you. So can you explain this to us? Yeah. Someone once told me when you're reading those funky names from the old Testament, just read them with confidence. <laughs> everyone, everyone will assume you're right. Cause none of us really know exactly how it should be. Yeah, and if you have a little bit of gravel to your voice or something, it'll sound very authentic. You know? <laughs> People at church will be very impressed. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Hebrew word hevel um, actually shows up in the book of Ecclesiastes more than any other book of the Hebrew Old Testament. And the, the basic meaning of the word is a mist or a vapor. Uh, I think in the old King James Version, they translated it vanity, vanity, everything's vanity. It's just all short-term. It's like this mist that appears, and then an hour later, it's gone. Uh, I think the NIV uses the word meaningless as its translation. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you get this stuff, and it doesn't make you as happy as you thought when you bought it. Ah, it's just all meaningless. 
Yeah. Um, so that's just like, so I live in Wisconsin and with the cold weather here for like 11 and a half months of the year, <laughs> you know, when we walk out there, I'm a runner, you know, you go outside and you take a good breath and there's this like little vapor mist that you see and then boom, a second later it dissipates and it's gone. Mm. That's kind of the picture that King Solomon paints for this great experiment that he ran. Like what's going to happen if I put my happiness in, in sex, he did that for example, or partying with my friends or work or saving up money and leaving it to my children. And after that grand experiment, what he said, and he uses this word again and again and again in his Hebrew is hevel, hevel, everything's hevel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all so temporary. It, it's all vanity. It's all meaningless. I thought this would make me happy, but I got to the end of that road. And just like those celebrities we talked about earlier, it, it didn't because the only thing that can make me eternally happy is the eternal love of God in Christ. Wow. And so true. But, you know, I think sometimes people can hear those words and it doesn't hit home. You know, and then I think about the fact that God has to open our eyes that we can see and understand. Because even though I was born again uh, when I was 19 years old, um, back in 88, you can do the math. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I remember um, just being so amazed. Like I had been, I'd heard some of these things, but I didn't understand. And so I think we need to pray because part of this episode here is trying to figure out how can we make God's presence evident to other people? How can we show them and introduce them to God really ultimately? And um, I do think part of it is, you know, what you were saying, you know, and, and really just living it out. Because God's presence is our refuge. And I think if people understood the promises that are had by those who uh, can access the presence of God, who know Him, uh, it's incredible. So you list eight results of life in the refuge. Can you share on those? Yeah, that whole idea really jumped out at me a couple years ago before I wrote the book. Uh, I was reading through the Psalms, and I kind of noticed this pattern, especially in the Psalms that David wrote, that Oh man, how many examples were there? I'm going to forget the exact number, but I think in over half of the 150 Psalms, two pictures are painted. The first picture is, I'll describe it as, ah, (laughs) 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 that's my very deep theological summary. Uh, There you go. Hey, that's like inedible words, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, there's my enemies are surrounding me. I've, I've sinned, I've fallen, I've failed, death is approaching. Like life was honest and it was imperfect. These walls that I constructed to keep me safe and happy and comfortable, they're, they're crumbling down. So that was the first picture. But the second picture was this imagery of a refuge. Mm. Uh, in the Psalms, it's called, God, you're my refuge. You're my tower. You're my stronghold. You're my fortress. Um, Psalm 46, I'm a mighty fortress is our God. He's our refuge and strength and ever present help in times of trouble. So in the ancient world, you know, you'd have these walled cities because invading armies were not very nice people. And if they busted through the wall, you'd have this refuge, which was this massive, strong, almost impossible to get into tower in the middle of the city. And so that's this picture that when, you know, when your spouse 
isn't being loving and affectionate and prioritizing you and that wall comes crumbling down, you have a place to run to and that's God. And when things are uncertain with your health and the doctor isn't sure if the chemo is going to work, um, you know, you could just sit there as the wall comes crumbling down and get, get killed by that fear. Or the Psalms would tell you, you can run to God, a place where you're going to be okay, or you have a hope in a future where you don't need to be afraid. And so, I, you know, I just noticed that this was the theme of the Psalms. They're honest that life is hard, and yet they tell us we can still have hope if we run to the eternal God who promises he'll never leave us and never forsake us. Mm. You know, when I hear the words, back to the title of your book, you know, God is here, sometimes we just stumble over the simplest of truths. And, and it's so simple and we make it complicated. Hmm. You know, Christians can miss this reality uh, that can impact our lives and so we were talking earlier about how to share this message with those so that they can understand and access the presence of God. But I think sometimes we can think that this message then is only for those who uh, have studied the Bible a lot, you know, or theologians, they really get it. How can we bring this message home? You know, to, and, and it, it should be simple. Okay, God is here. But people still have a struggle accessing it. Yeah. Yeah. There's an old Latin phrase. I, I butchered the last quote, so I won't try to get it exactly, but the, <laughs> the Latin phrase I learned back in college was that repetition is the mother of learning. So um, Paul referenced this in Philippians three. He said, I, I want to write the same things to you again, because it's a safeguard for you. So, you know, I don't know that there's any special trick if we say it just right or, <laughs> you know, use this example. Sometimes we just have to tell ourselves and one another each of those three words and maybe just unpack what they mean. God, I'm, I'm not talking about some small God. I'm talking about a God whose love is better, whose wisdom is better, whose comfort is better. He is right here and right now. Um, there's this game I sometimes play. So one of my kids in the last year or two, started battling anxiety, which just came out of nowhere. Mm. And uh, man, what, honestly, that, that's the first huge, like emotional, heartbreaking challenge I've had to go through with uh, my two daughters. And, you know, my brain just hasn't had to, to wrestle with anxiety like that. So this, you know, dark, worst case scenario, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And um, that, that was a huge challenge that we had to work through as a family. Um, but one of the things I do, you know, there, there's a lot of things that we did to address it, but one of the things I would do is I would just jump right into the swirl of those worst case scenarios and I take them to like their most illogical conclusion. And then I would say, but sweetie, even if that does happen, God is here. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, there are tornadoes, honey, I guess in Wisconsin, there could be a tornado and maybe it could hit, hit our house and maybe we'll have to sleep outside. And maybe no one takes us in and maybe we'll have to live in a dumpster and maybe there's rats in the dumpster and maybe they keep stealing our food. And even if that happens, God's going to be right there with us. A God of love and grace and compassion. Um, so <laughs> sometimes yes. I, I dive into that fear and say, okay, let's, let's assume the worst case scenario. You get Corona, the chemo doesn't work. 
your spouse leaves you, your, your kids rebel against you, all your friends betray your deepest secrets. If that would all happen, and it could, I don't think it will, but it could. Even if that happens, you know what? You, Christian, have an amazing life because Jesus lived and died and rose so that you would always have God no matter what. Mm. So that, that's what gets to my heart. That is so good. You know, it is the what ifs of life. When this world sees us living the same existence, living the same struggles, and yet having peace, mm. that doesn't make sense unless there's a missing variable, oh. which is God's presence. And so as we live it out in such a way, uh, and I think too, when we do consider, because I, as you know, was confronted with that recently in the, the reality or possibility that uh, the cancer could have spread to my lymph nodes and processing that possibility, uh, sure, there were some tears crying out to God. And at that place, I was surprised by peace mm. and a surrender to God. You know what, God, if this is your plan, then, then I've, I want your plan for me. And, and, and it's releasing of control. I think that word control is important too, because the world doesn't understand, you know, they blame God, they get mad at God when the what ifs and all those things happen, you know, what an anxious existence for the human condition we have. Hmm. But that's why we have this consolation of God's presence, his comfort. And, you know, so when those horrible moments happen, we realize we have to let go of control. We never had control. We never, these things in this world couldn't ever satisfy us. And if they are, we're too easily satisfied. And, and that satisfaction will ultimately not lead to heaven, you know, if it is the hope in these things to make us happy. Uh, so, oh, good stuff. So who is the person, the perfect person to read this book, would you say? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously as an author, I want to say everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've actually noticed this has kind of gotten some traction here um, in my church and in the area where I minister is that I think this is a really accessible resource for small groups. Um, one of the hard dynamics with some small groups is you have longtime Christians who've been in the word, you know, every morning for 30 years and you have brand new people to church who they, they don't know which Joseph is Joseph, the <laughs> down in Egypt, Joseph or the Jesus Joseph. So I, I tried to write this book in like a humorous style. It has pictures and dumb jokes in the footnotes and, you know, using language, it's not simplistic, but it's simple. So I wanted it to be accessible for, you know, brand new people to church but then I also wanted to challenge people. I mean, there's lots of things that as a long time, even as a pastor that I hadn't known or seen until I started searching for them in the word. So I'd love for your listeners to consider this for their group, get a couple of copies or study questions in the book itself. So I think it's a great resource for all of us to encourage each other with God's presence. Yes. And where two or more gathered there, God is present with them, right? So Boom. Indeed. that's boom. <laughs> <laughs> Got it, guys. Small groups. So is there anything else you would like to share about God's presence? Um, I like it and I want more of it. <laughs> oh, amen. Yes. This is the one thing that we could say more and more. You know, my problem is uh, I can only have, if we think of the dietary uh, deal, I can only have like 1200 calories a day and I will just maintain, you know, till kingdom come. And I've had to learn to be content with a smaller portion, with God's oh. portion for me at this 
phase of life. But with God's presence, you know, there's no limit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you started us off on the last episode, Psalm 73, which almost ends with, but God is my portion. Yes, that's actually was one of my words last year, was being content in every area. The moment we're tempted to look to something else, no, mm-mm. stay in my lane. I want God's what his portion is for me. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Mike. Thank you so much, Denise. You're good at what you do. So thanks for being a great host. Oh, well, praise the Lord. Thank you. If you have not experienced the presence of God, friend, you can. God is inviting you to know him and you can do that right now. If you're not sure of your salvation, reach out to me or to Mike or to a pastor in your life, a leader that you trust, and we would love to pray with you. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a copy of Three Words That Will Change Your Life. You can find Mike on www.timeofgrace.org slash three words. The raw truth is that there is no lasting satisfaction apart from God. The radical grace is God would not leave us hungry to not then fill that hunger with himself. And the real hope is when this world leaves us hungry, God can fill us with joy in his presence. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth.